back to Mingus on Tech, where we talk about what's hot and what's not in technology. And what's perpetually hot in technology is the H-1B visa program. I've got Pat and Johanna here today to talk about that. Pat is our resident expert. He's been covering the H-1B visa topic for several years now. And most recently, he's been writing about how this has bubbled up in, of all places, this year's presidential campaign. So, so Pat, what's going on? We've got Donald Trump on one side sort of talking about visas and wanting to make some changes, and Hillary kind of being very quiet and scooping up a lot of Silicon Valley contributions. Is that what's... Well... Have I got that right? Or you, you have that right. Okay. You know, Hillary Clinton said something interesting about the H-1B visa the other day. In an interview, she said that when the Disney workers lost their jobs... In Florida. Yep. Right, when yep. they had to train the replacements who were visa holders, she described it as heartbreaking. Right. Does that seem like an appropriate word? It's disgusting. <laughs> heartbreaking is sad, it, yes. But it also sounds like a word that doesn't have a solution, you know? Exactly. And that, that, that sums her up completely. So she's heartbroken. Yeah, heartbroken. You know, when the when the asteroid hit the planet 65 million years ago, and the killed dinosaurs other, were heartbroken that, too. That was that was heartbreaking. Yeah, but the dinosaurs weren't asked to train their mammal replacements. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been outrageous. You know? So, but she has no plan, and okay. she's tone deaf on this issue. All right. Some people saw her remarks, her acknowledgement that this even happened, as the beginnings, the stirrings of an effort by her to pay attention to this issue. But one Disney worker who was laid off um, said this. He said that her impression was that they were collateral damage. Yeah. Now, Trump has latched onto this issue, and he has gotten some good advice, and he has put together a platform that is very mainstream. But Trump is a little flaky. and, and Just a little, <laughs> perhaps, yeah. I think we get that. And among the, among, the, um, among the critics, there's, it's kind of a yin and yang about him. They think that in the right combination with Congress, he could probably reform the H-1B. Yeah. But they also think he might go ahead and do things to the green card, which would turn it into kind of a new H-1B visa and negate all the effects of, of H-1B reform. So he's a bit of a paradox. He has no record on any of these issues. He doesn't seem terribly knowledgeable about it, but he is. Why should H-1B be any different than anything else well, he's talking about? No offense. <laughs> that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Yeah, I know. Different topic. Go ahead. But that, that's in sum about where things stand with those two. Okay. So what's interesting, too, is that uh, there seem to be a couple of bills floating around Congress. You've got uh, Representative Pascal's, Pascal's. Right. Uh, bill from he's a New Jersey Democrat and Representative Isis Bill Republican from California. They both want to make changes, but it seems like as usual, there's no chance that any of these things is gonna. It's certainly not going to happen this year. And so, what? Why? Are, what are these bills doing? Why are they there? Are they just to call attention to it, or? Well, um, Daryl Isil, uh, he uh, Isa represents. Uh, Part of Southern California. And is this for Southern? Um, Southern California Edison. Okay. Is. So he has a. That's a big issue out there, and he um, his legislation is essentially seen as a placeholder, a way for him to to tell his constituents that he's trying to do something on the. So issue. he's paying attention to local issues. Basically, it's his way of saying, "I've heard you." So, Southern consolidated? No. What, what Southern uh, Southern California, California Edison. Edison. And the issue there was the same sort of thing where they basically outsource some of the jobs 
and some of the IT workers had to train the replacements there too? Yes, approximately 500 IT workers were displaced, either laid off or cut, you know, forced into retirement. And they trained um, H-1B, the, the, the company had hired two India-based uh, offshore outsourcing firms. And these firms brought in a lot of visa workers and the workers, uh, the utility workers, had to train the replacements. And what's particularly interesting here, this was a utility. This is not an international company. Right. They are, their customer base is entirely in Southern California. They don't serve customers in India or Philippines or any place else in the globe. Um, so this was, a, this was a huge hit on middle-class jobs um, by what had been a very stable employer. And I think that's what made Southern California Edison a particularly egregious. That's the one that sort of bubbled up. Didn't it get some attention in the Senate? I mean, was that the... Yes. I know Disney did at, at some point, yeah. but it seemed like the, the Southern uh, California Edison issue, when it finally bubbled up, really caught the attention of some senators and some in the House, too, other than ISA. Senator Jeff Sessions, uh, who is head of the... Uh, and a Trump backer. Yes. Right? He was the first senator to endorse Trump. Right. And uh, he, um, he's held three hearings so far on high-tech worker displacements. One of his top staff members, uh, Stephen Miller, interviewed um, people at Southern California Edison and Disney. Now, Miller is a high-ranking uh, aide in the Trump Organization. Okay. So Miller's role in the Trump Organization, Sessions' endorsement of Trump, um, give people a lot of confidence that if Trump were elected, there would be H-1B reforms. But I'm painting a big asterisk next well, to that. The, well, the assumption being if Trump were to be elected that you would have to assume then that the Republicans probably held the Senate and the House. And so he would at least have Republicans to work with in Congress to make changes if he wanted to. Well, this is a bipartisan issue, Ken. Okay. I mean, when Disney, um, after Disney, uh, Got Same sort of situation. Disney brought in some employees. They had to train their workers. And, and basically, um, the local IT folks lost their jobs. Senator Bill Nelson. Democrat. Democrat. From Florida. Right. Went to uh, Sessions. Yep. And um, got his help to introduce a bill, legislation, to reform the H-1B visa. There so are now, different approaches, though, right, with the reforms going on in, in different pockets of Congress, right? So maybe that's worth explaining a little bit in terms of what some of the different approaches are. Yeah, there, there, there are nuances to how they, uh, to the proposals. But at their core, at their core, they try to accomplish two things. First, raise prevailing wages. In other words, make it more expensive to bring in H-1B visa workers. And secondly, um, secondly, put in a higher American first provision. Make it difficult to displace workers, to try to keep U.S. workers from being in a position where they have to train a foreign replacement. Let me ask a dumb question. This seems like a no-brainer. I mean, why is it that there doesn't seem to be any kind of activity year in and year out? I mean, it is unusual that it's bubbled up even this year in the presidential campaign, and that's only largely because of Trump. That it, you know, and, and of course, some of the reporting that you've done on Southern California and Disney, but this seems like a no-brainer to me that if you've got foreign workers coming in on a particular program that Congress could change and American workers are being displaced, you know, you would think there'd be a hue and cry. And yet... The lobbying is immense on this issue. The high-tech lobbying, the offshore, offshore outsourcing industry, um, which is the number one use of these H-1B visas, right. um, are, are, you know, they, they've, they just spend millions of dollars lobbying Congress 
to keep things the way they are or even indeed raise yeah, haven't the there been efforts in the past to perhaps raise the cap even higher than the 65000 a year that it is now? Didn't it even bubble up for a while during the recession? Or at some point, am I, am I misremembering that at one point the cap was temporarily raised to like one hundred and twenty or 130000 No, it was um, during the um, – uh, it's been raised a couple okay. times. And, and it comes it, back it down. It comes back down okay. at three-year. But you're in the 115, you're in the you're in the ballpark yeah. there. Okay. So the idea here is that there are different – you know, ways of, of modifying the program that are kind of floating around, but it doesn't sound like, you know, we can shift gears because I do want to talk a little bit about IT careers and how this affects that, but it doesn't sound like anybody who's hoping for H-1B visa reform should expect any big changes anytime soon. No. Okay. Sadly. Um, Joe and I were talking earlier, one of the things that uh, is sort of becoming clear, and this is in terms of IT jobs in general, it's not just the H-1B visa, but that IT jobs, and I know you've, you've written a lot about IT careers, um, seem to be coming more almost like the factory workers of, of the old days in terms of, you know, how easily people can be replaced and moved around. And um, are, you, are you seeing any of that out there or any thoughts on whether that's, you know, something that could be coming in the next five to ten years maybe for IT workers? Either one of you. I, yeah, I, I, I certainly see that going on out there. I mean, I think that, you know, you go back 20 years, and it was almost a priesthood w with IT people. With the skills with and the, the certifications. With the skills and the certification. And, and, you know, yes, there, there were some people who were, you know, a, a little bit obnoxious about all that. And, you know, and, you know now IT the people. Work. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> IT techies. Exactly. Big you know, and, you know, it's like, it's like uh, retail workers used to hide in the stock room, and IT workers used to hide in the data center, yep. right? Yep. So, you know, uh, but now, of course, there's a lot more power in the hands of the people. Um, but, the, you know, the interesting phenomenon is that the more things are distributed, yep. the more you need IT people to keep it all in control in terms of having everything because you talk get so many to people each going other. off in different directions exactly. with their own devices and their own, right. you know, okay. different cloud systems. And at some point, even regardless of where the system is located, whether it's on-premises or it's somewhere in the cloud or somewhere, you know, in the ether, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to want to talk to somebody else or share data among different systems. And that's where you need an IT person who knows what the heck they're doing. Because the, these interfaces and these middleware systems are very complicated. I right. mean, and it's not for the faint of heart. And just because you may know a little bit of, you know, programming on your Apple, which is great, doesn't mean you can program for this environment and, and really connect an ERP system to somebody's telephone kind of thing. So this is, you know, and, and, and of course security is I was just going to say, you've got thing. everybody now, you know, right. throwing files up into the cloud, on Dropbox, right. or whatever, who knows where corporate data is winding up. Exactly. And people who think they know what they're doing on the front lines because they've got an iPhone or an iPad and they can turn it on, right. you know, don't realize the back end stuff that's necessary to keep everything safe and secure. Exactly. So, you know, and then it's, you know, it's just, and then all the access that you want to all these different um, corporate programs, some of which are, are, are decades old, right. um, that are running, uh, you know, on a mini computer or the old saying, or mainframe somewhere in the back room. Um, the, the data in those systems is still very much needed. So that's where you need to get IT involved. But what, unfortunately, I think what's happening now with the H-1B program to bring it back to where right. we were, and also just you know, in, in terms of how the industry as a whole is evolving, is that these opportunities are becoming fewer and farther between. And it's, I, I think it's a harder sell to convince someone to go into IT as a career these days because they look at these, these globalization issues and then they look at the fact that there's really no 
um, no path upwards anymore. I mean, right. you used to be able to go to the IP, IT service desk and have a 20 or 30 year career. I don't see that happening anymore. I mean, if you know security or you know programming or you know something that's really in demand, yes, perhaps. And you'll always be able to theoretically move to another company, but to be able to stay in one place and grow your career in one place is harder and harder than it used to be. And apparently it doesn't look like that's coming back. I don't think so. Yeah. How you've had, do you see that? No, it's, 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 a, it's a head toss about whether um, technology or uh, IT careers as we know them today will exist in 20 years. Really is, is that because everything's being pushed out to the to the front to the front lines with everybody doing their own thing or just everything's moving to the cloud or we're all being replaced by foreign workers or some combination? It's a it's a combination. I mean, let's this profession is only um, started really in the 1960s when we get yeah. right down to it. Right. And so there, there's there's zero guarantee that it's going to survive um, another 60 years, right. you know. It really is. And um, uh, for all the reasons that Joe mentioned, uh, it may just disappear as a as a career that we recognize today. Wow. It's almost like being a journalist. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's also, a, it's, it's offshoring, it's H-1B, it's, um, it, it's just the way the industry is growing and changing. And of course, that's, that's a good thing, I guess, you know, in terms of technology growing and changing and morphing. Um, but it makes it harder to, to, to really go into this as a career yeah. with a long-term um, focus. And, you know, there's just so many certifications and so many skills. And I mean, one person can only know so much as an expert, right. you know, I mean, y you can't know firewalls and, you know, intrusion detection systems and be, you got to specialize you know, in something. You, you can't yeah. just be a complete like, but companies want more well-roundedness. Now they want more people who know how to do more things and they want people with great people skills too. Right. And that's, that's a big thing now. Not a traditional IT tech, you know, right. strong suit. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those folks are retiring from the workforce, which m makes me, you know, wonder what's going to happen to all those COBOL systems that a lot of big companies are still using. People and think that people that don't know how to run anymore. And it's spaghetti. It's just nobody knows how or why or, you know, the developers made specific decisions that they made. And it's basically being held together by, you know, bailing wire and bubble gum and prayer. And, you know, as those folks are exiting the workforce, you know, you've got these gigundo transactions processing systems and airlines and banks yep. it makes me wonder what really well, happened with the with delta. delta yesterday yeah. exactly yeah. you know somebody's out sick somebody retires and whoever ran the thing is gone and they don't know what to do when it crashes it's gone oops yeah okay. <laughs> exactly point. i hadn't thought yeah. about that okay good um well any last thoughts pat I, we should wrap it up with that anything that the federal government can do along these lines not h1b but in terms of sort of um, making sure that the U.S. stays on top of technology and, and, you know, make sure that the people who are here have IT careers that they can succeed in. I mean, Congress has to invest in science and tech. Okay. Most of uh, everything, uh, the tablets, everything, all the technology that we're using, all of this came out of basic science research that was developed by the federal government. Yep. We're retreating on that. We're cutting that spending every year. Yeah. And, and that is going to hurt the long-term growth of this country. So unless we reinvest in basic science and begin to think about new things that we really need, um, we're going to hurt ourselves because what, what Silicon Valley is producing now is a lot of junk. Right. Oh. Okay, good. That's, it, it's a downbeat note, but I think it's an important point to make. 
you know, will we visit this maybe after the election and see who wins and where Congress is going? But, uh, but for now, let's leave it at that. Joe, thanks for stopping by. Pat, Thank thanks for stopping by. That's a wrap. Yeah.